0: Hello, I'm Anna Elliott and this is Blendle Handpicked. If you give me five minutes of your time, I'll give you three stories that stood out above all the rest this week. My first pick today is a story from The Economist on the scientists racing to produce a vaccine for the coronavirus. Most recent vaccines have taken years to develop and some have taken more than a decade, but there are reasons why this one could be developed faster than any before. And the need is urgent. The death toll has now reached 1,000, with more than 42,000 confirmed cases across the globe. And scientists have jumped into action, accelerating the process as much as possible. The virus's genetic sequence was published on January 12th, less than a week after scientists first isolated the bug from a patient. That data was already in use in late January by several groups around the world working on a vaccine, and human trials could begin as early as April. With luck, a vaccine could be ready within a year. People have rushed to make new vaccines before, most notably during the Ebola crisis of 2013 to 2016. This piece says, Organisations and institutions that normally work slowly and at arm's length came together to get the job done faster. And it worked. Another outbreak of Ebola in Democratic Republic of Congo, which arose in 2018, has largely been contained thanks to a vaccine. But that success story also provides a warning for scientists today. Even if they produce a vaccine in record time, it will already be too late for the current epidemic in China. But it could help other countries. This piece explains that coronavirus could spread more widely and become an established seasonal disease, like the flu. And that will bring other challenges, like how to produce the vaccine on a global scale. This seven-minute article is the best piece I've read on the current status of the fight against the virus. It's from Friday's Economist, and you can find the link in the show notes. Next up, I've got a very interesting piece from FT Weekend's Simon Cooper on how much we should really be drinking. What I love about this story is that it's so nuanced. It doesn't lay out a prescriptive alcohol intake recommendation, nor does it seek to solve the science behind drinking once and for all. What it does do is weigh up the benefits and risks of having a drink now and then, acknowledging that most of us won't base our decisions solely on our health nor on our social calendar, and it offers insights on how to ensure you're making alcohol work for you and not the other way around. One big aspect of this story is that young people are drinking less than older generations in Europe, North America and Australia. There are many reasons for this, such as the embarrassment of drunken escapades being recorded forever on Instagram, and a recent landmark medical study asserting that any amount of drink at all increases your chance of a premature death. Cooper digs into the health effects of drinking, and he puts them in perspective without trying to minimise them. But he also interviews doctors who emphasise how low the risk of moderate drinking really is. It's low enough to be negligible, and the social benefits can be significant. Teetotalers can find it harder to bond with others. Whether we like it or not, alcohol is a social lubricant. But that can clearly become a problem in social situations where drinking to excess is normalised, especially in situations where not drinking to excess is considered abnormal. And there's an informative discussion on how even respectable people with families and good jobs can easily far exceed a healthy weekly limit. Cooper doesn't equivocate on that matter. Heavy drinkers are courting death but whether drinking in moderation is right for you comes down to your personal circumstances, priorities, and social situation. There's so much more to this article, and many will find its insights completely relatable. It's 12 minutes long, and it's from Friday's FT Weekend. Last but not least, I've got an interview from Andrea Peterson in The Wall Street Journal with Lydia Denworth, a science journalist who asserts that friendship is vital to both your happiness and your physical health. In fact, Denworth recently released a book on the subject where she interviewed animal biologists, anthropologists and neuroscientists to uncover just how important friends are to our survival. She cites a big Harvard study of men across their lives from 20 to 80, which found that the single best predictor of health and happiness at 80 years old wasn't wealth or success. It was how strong your relationships were at age 50. But Denworth also highlights that you don't need lots of friends to benefit from the health boost. She says the difference between not having any close friends and having one is enormous. There's also an interesting discussion here on why we become friends with some people and not others. By comparing the electronic brain signals of people in a social network, scientists can predict who is likely to be friends with whom. Turns out we literally see and hear the world more like the people we are friends with. Denworth also explains how long it takes to make a friend, how long it takes to make a best friend, and what you need to be talking about during that time to ensure your relationship is developing as much as it could be. This is a sweet little four-minute interview that should give you permission to ditch the to-do list and hang out with your buddies. Your health may depend on it. Thanks for joining me for this week's Top Stories. Check out the show notes for the links to the articles and if you want to read more, you can go to blendle.com and subscribe to the Daily Digest newsletter, which we send out at 8am Eastern. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts on the show, you can email me at editorial at and you can follow us on Twitter at blendle. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.